Hello, everyone. Justin and I are back here this evening for the sixth episode of the Karsten Justin 2019 Golf Podcast. Good evening, Justin. Good evening. We got a lot of great material for the listeners here this evening. We're going to start off with the World Golf Championship that just occurred this past weekend down in Chapultepec Golf Club in Mexico. Absolutely fantastic venue down there. Um, and basically a, a thriving city uh, that is Mexico City. Um, and just a fantastic environment. You know, the fans down there um, were very energetic, very enthusiastic, um, and excited to see some of the world's best players uh, make their way down to, uh, down to their, their home country of Mexico and uh, battle it out for a World Golf Championship title. Um, and Justin, for everyone, just so everyone uh, understands, Justin, this is his second tournament in a row that he has picked the winner correctly. If you go back and listen to our fifth episode, Justin said that Dustin Johnson will win the golf tournament, and he sure enough did. Dustin John- Johnson shot 21 under par, and you know, basically, Justin, he, he lapped the field. Yeah, Rory was the only person that really gave him a run for his money. And uh, coming down Sunday, some little bit of controversy uh, with some with some uh, new rules uh, kind of took him out of it. And I mean, DJ really just took that tournament by the throat to begin with, uh, and just went way under every single day. And um, it just really, really f- was fit for his game. He sure was, Justin, and. Uh... You know, the part of his game that I, I think we traditionally see that's um, a strength for him is his driving of the golf ball. Uh, with the altitude down there, just for our listeners to understand, the ball flies about 15% further. So what you're going to do with, with the yardage, let's say you're 10 yards to the hole, if that's the regular yardage, you're going you're gonna to take about 10 to 15% off of that number. Um and gosh, some of the guys were, were driving the ball like Dustin Johnson was carrying the driver off the tee almost 370 yards. <laughs> um, so that, that just sort of puts into perspective what altitude can do in the environment where you're playing, the, whether you're playing at sea level or altitude, that all has a, a big effect on how a tournament plays out. Um, and this, this tournament um, definitely favored a longer hitter of the golf ball if they could keep it in play. I know we said last time that this golf course kind of set up, you know, for for anyone to win it. But boy, oh boy, if you could get a, a bomber out there like DJ driving it well, I mean, it it, it was DJ's type of tournament. That's just kudos to you, Justin, for making that, that fantastic pick uh, last week. Yeah. Um, but DJ just drove it so well, and that's what put him on another level. Um, and he, he, you know what? He, he also had the putter going for it. Um, and that was a golf course where the greens were really, you know, it's only massive defense um, because there's some of the toughest greens. I think the players will, will put on on tour with the slopes um, and the, the woods uh, also was a defense for, for players who uh, couldn't keep the ball in play. Yeah. I mean, it's a very tough golf course, but at the same time, fair. If you keep it in play, you'll get rewarded if you hit it. 20 yards left you're gonna be looking at bogey especially with how fast and sloped the greens are 
got to be in the right spot off the tee and with your approach. And it just WGCs for DJ uh, tend to tend to go very well for him. Um, you you picked Rory to win. Rory ended up getting second by five shots, I believe. And um, very similar play styles between the two. Just bomb it and and hope you make the putt. <laughs> Uh, but Rory, I believe, drove it on like the first two greens in a row and like 377 yards as a second hole, just hits this high draw and just flies it on the green. And that's just pretty crazy. And, um, yeah, I mean, we, we, our picks went one and two, so that's, that's pretty ironic. Definitely. That's definitely a reason for uh, more people to tune in and listen to our, uh, our podcast because we know what we're talking about where this is some quality golf material that we're providing here and we're, we're really considering and taking time to, to um, prepare this material for you all. And um, basically to, to study the game as closely as possible when it comes to the, the players on tour and we're, our picks have been great so far. Hopefully we can, uh, we can continue with that. And then at the end of this podcast, we'll be making our picks for the, uh, the next tournament. Yeah. Um... Phil, we were we were thinking Phil would have a good week, but I believe he shot eighty the first day, um, and yeah. really took himself out of it after that. I, I believe he fought back and got to around even, maybe a he couple did. under. So that was that was good for him there. And um, T- Tiger had a very good outing, also. Uh, I believe yeah. I had a bold prediction that I said Kepka, Tiger, Rory, and DJ would all finish top ten, and the only one that didn't was Kepka. So. Um, right. Look at Spieth. Spieth had a pretty, pretty bad week again. Kind of struggling, inconsistent. Um, just lots of golfers all over the place, and then you see DJ at twenty-one under, and just blows you away. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, Justin, let's talk about Tiger a little bit. Tiger went with a strategy this week at, down at Chapultepec. Um, that was a strategy that that was that was criticized by many. Randall Chambly on the golf channel criticized it as being one of the most conservative strategies he's ever seen by Tiger Woods. And he was basically putting himself in a position to lose. He was accepting to lose. I, however, disagree with that. Tiger was playing golf from the center of the fairway. Tiger was making sure that he kept the ball in play out in front of him and that he didn't get basically completely taken away, um, from a hole by hitting it into the trees and, and, and getting in trouble, you know, on, in the left rough and the right rough. Um, he wanted to make sure that, that he could have the ball in the center of the fairway, even if that was a hundred yards back of some of the other players, he felt that that was his advantage. And the biggest fact that, that sort of disproves what Chambly was saying is Tiger had a putt on the back nine in the final round to tie for the most amount of birdies made in that whole golf tournament. Wow. Tiger just gave many too many away because he didn't putt that well. And also take into consideration Tiger had a putt that he did not end up making it. He came very closely to the outright birdie total in the end, uh, in the birdie total of the, of the whole tournament. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's honestly unbelievable Um when you see what, what Tiger's been doing with, with the ball striking coming into the green, he just hasn't capitalized um, with, with the putter. Um, and it, it's unbelievable that he's putted that poorly um, and was still able to make that, that many birdies, um, which, which I think is something quite remarkable and maybe only Tiger Woods could do. Um, 
So what are your thoughts on that, Justin? Yeah, definitely. Um, his game's definitely starting to come around. Went 20th place, 15th, and now 10th. He's definitely eyeballing the majors. I believe he wants the majors more than anything. Obviously, I guess all golfers really do, but Tiger's trying to pass Jack. So, you know, he has a limited window to do that with his uh, body getting older. Um, and I think he's looking at the Masters this year. And uh, I think he's happy with the 10th place finish. Um, just the putting's got to get a little better. And uh, it might match up at the perfect time uh, when the Masters comes around. Because, you know, uh, throughout a season, the putter gets hot and cold, hot and cold. And um, I think it's uh, about to be good timing for Tiger's putter to get hot at Augusta. He knows those greens amazingly well, obviously. He's won there right. five times, I believe. So, you know, Justin, do you see anything wrong with Tiger's technique when it comes to, when it comes to his putting stroke? Or do you just think this is more, you know, kind of like you said, the, the, the flow of, of good and bad putting and, and maybe it's sort of a, a mental. Yeah, kind of I'd a say mental. Lapse a little bit. I'd say mental. He might be thinking over the putt a little too much. He might be might be trying to work on a mechanic that he's been working on or something. And if you do that, it's just so much harder to make the putt. I mean, he's Tiger Woods. He's the go. Just knock it in the hole, Tiger. You, you know what That's you're doing. Tiger. You know what you're doing. You played there before. You've, you've had thousands, if not if not millions of putts. So um, I think he's happy with the 10th place finish, though. He's, he's looking at the Masters. Um, I guess we'll see uh, how he does over the next few weeks and at the Masters, and that'll uh, – They'll probably tell a lot about the remainder of the season. Exactly. I, I just think, you know, as soon as Tiger cleans up his putting, that's when we'll see a win from him. Um, and it'll be very exciting. You know, like like you said there, Justin, obviously the Masters is his biggest tournament coming up um, in the next several events. Um, but he does have the Arnold Palmer Invitational, which we will preview for you here um, the next podcast. Um, that we will be doing um, as that, that tournament is not this week, but the following week. Um, and then the week after that is the players championship. The players championship has been moved back to March. Wow. This year. traditionally used to be in March a long time ago and it's coming back. So that's going to be very exciting to kind of kick off the year with a very exciting golf tournament leading into the Masters. So I think Tiger will look to start to tune it, tune up his game, especially in those and, start to find his way into contention um because technically i think justin we can say he did sort of uh edge his way up into into the uh you know up into the the top five at one point i think he got the highest position that he got was uh fourth this past weekend so he was kind of in contention at one point especially i believe after the uh after the second round um he was only about four or five back so he did he did kind of edge his way up there and which is uh can only help him. Yeah, he did have a rough first round, too. First ball out of bounds left. Exactly. Uh, Second ball should have been out of bounds left also. (laughs) Been hitting five off the first tee of the tournament, which would be very demoralizing. Hitting three off the first tee is demoralizing enough. Takes double, shoots even the first day. Uh, It's it's tough to come back and win the tournament when you see DJ at 21 under if you have an even par day with a lost ball with your first tee shot. So um, that wasn't the best start for him. He's definitely got to do better than that uh, to start the tournament off. Maybe maybe at least get a couple under, give him some uh, little head start on uh, chasing down the leaders. Justin, how about that uh, 
first tea announcer. I don't know if you got a chance to see him. Yeah. But he was he was definitely energetic. And when Tiger got on that first tee, he he went like on the tee, Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Woods. <laughs> like he was just getting like where the crowd went went crazy, and Tiger started even laughing. So I wonder if that had any effect on that. Probably Tiger's did. Tiger's little snap book there. I, I mean, it probably did because Tiger obviously mentally. Uh, understood like what the announcer was doing and it created like an atmosphere and then um, probably had like some expectations creep into his mind or something that just pull hook and then pull hook. <laughs> the it. body stopped rotating. That is Tiger's nemesis off the first tee. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, the tournament started off bad for Tiger and then it kind of ended poorly um, on the, on the green. Um, I know he denied, uh, press interviews after the third and fourth round, I think just because he was so disappointed with his, his putting and uh, was looking to get back out there and, and work on work on his putting technique, with, which really shows how, you know, determined and focused Tiger is about working, you know, on his game and and uh, trying to fix what it – trying to always get better, trying to fix the parts that uh, were, were, were um, causing him problems. Yeah, that's why he's a goat. That's right. Exactly. Now, Justin, one more thing to, to touch on um, the World Golf Championship down there in Mexico is that rule situation that you uh, that you referred to early in this podcast. And that, that rule situation was between Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy. Our two picks or two guys were in the final group, um, along with Patrick Reed, who kind of just completely fell apart that last day. Oh, wow. Felt like he was shooting 80, but he wasn't. He was over par, but um, he just was completely um, – he completely did not stay in touch with uh, with Rory and, and DJ. But there was a, a rule situation. Uh, I believe it started on the, uh, on the fifth hole. Dustin Johnson drove his drive to the right on the fifth hole. The ball got straight up against a tree. He had no shot whatsoever but to punch back out in the fairway and at best make probably bogey. And what ended up happening was there was a cart path a little bit to his right. So he extended his stance a little bit, just to paint the picture for our listeners, extended his right foot a little bit. He already has a wide stance in general. But his, his right part of his right foot was on the path. He calls the rules official over. The rules official does grant him the drop, which gets him behind, out from behind the tree. He sticks it onto the green and makes par. Rory on the next hole hits his drive way into the trees on the par five sixth hole and gets in the same situation right behind the tree. There's a cart path a little bit to his right. Rory extends his stance, stands on the cart path, but kind of at a different angle. The the tree would have kind of impeded his path a little bit. So it's a little bit harder to believe, but the rules official did not grant him relief. Justin, what were your thoughts on this whole situation? And, do do our do our rules officials have a problem? Does the USGA and the RNA need to think about um, re- sort of re- refining, revising the, this ruling or this situation? Yeah, that's definitely a touchy one because DJ um, probably should have had to play it as it lied, but he, you know he bends the rules a little bit, gets his foot on the path, and uh, you know gets the free drop, and, and Rory, I guess. It was just too obvious he was trying to do that. So <laughs> so they were like, no, you got to play it as a lie. So, I mean, I don't really understand that because they did pretty much the same thing. So I feel like the ruling should have been the same for both of them. Um, 
it it could have changed the tournament a little bit, um, definitely. Um, in the end, I believe that only cost Rory one stroke, like having to chip out into the fairway mm-hmm. left hand. It was actually a very good chip left handed off that tree. Um, and then he ended up putting yeah, it in he the put water. It in the water so, yeah. so, I mean, that was probably still lingering in his head a little bit, which caused him to put it in the water. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like the ruling should have been the same for both of them. I don't, I, I don't really know what I, I mean, I feel like they should just play it as it lies. Um, cart path rule, I feel like should be if the ball, ball is on the cart path. Not your, I mean, your feet, it, it doesn't really matter. I don't think if your feet's on the cart path, at least for me, hitting it. Right. And I like that. Um, just in the final round with all that, all the money on the line, the tournament on the line, that, that ruling, I feel like should have just been the same for them. Whatever they did for DJ, they should have just, you know, used judgment and probably did the same thing for Rory. If uh, I agree. Yeah. I completely agree. I think there should have been definitely a consistency to it. But Justin, you know, the question does pop up in my head. You know, I, I asked myself, would I have tried to do something like this in the golf tournament? And I, in my head, the answer was big N O. No, I, I, I would never, ever try um, and even think about bending the rules that way in a tournament. Um, you know, it's something that we would try to do. I was thinking it was something that we would try to do in a, in a scramble, just playing for fun at Chestnut, you know, trying to like extend our stance to get a drop yeah. from behind the tree um, to help, help our scramble score. I mean, yes, you can, you can do it, but. In a golf turn, I'm trying to just think if I'm playing in the golf tournament, I'm dead behind the tree. I mean, what really, what rules official, what competitor, even even your so I mean, are you really going to want to see someone else take that drop when they're just completely stymied behind a tree? Uh, I, no, uh, I, I would answer no. Um, I, I wouldn't want to see anybody else take that drop because I think it's kind of against the integrity of the game. And I think that players need to start recognizing a little bit better the situations that they are in and understanding this may be stretching the rules a little bit too far. You Don't get me wrong. You always want to use the rules to your advantage, but there's a certain point where it kind of crosses the line. Yeah. They, I just feel like they both should have had to play as it lies and just whatever ruling they gave DJ is what they should have given Rory. It's a touchy situation. Um, very interesting. I'm sure they'll look at it. Uh, maybe make some adjustments to the rules on that. But um, I, I, I don't have a definitive opinion on this. I just feel like it should have been consistent with both of them. Right. Right. I, you know, I, I just I just think overall, like you said, it's just it's unfortunate what happened because who knows that he could have ultimately um, sort of altered the, the tournament a little bit. But the fact was DJ completely outplayed Rory in the long run. Um, and and uh, of that tournament and and uh, I, I I don't think it really had an effect at the very end, but definitely at that point of the of the tournament definitely did have some effect on on Rory McIlroy. But overall, congratulations congratulations to Dustin Johnson, another fantastic victory, and uh, you know he may go down as one of the great World Golf Championship players of all time. Definitely, if he can get a few more majors, one of the greatest players of all time. Exactly. That was his 20th tour victory. Yeah, 20, um, 20 is a big number. If he can get to get to 30, maybe get four majors, then you're looking at um pretty high status. Def, definitely incredible. So the final leaderboard, top four guys up there, 
Dustin Johnson, 21 under. Rory McIlroy, 16 under par. Karadek, Oppie Barnrot at 11 under par. His Tied for his best finish of all time in a tour event. And Paul Casey at 11 under par. So, once again, Justin and I would like to congratulate Dustin Johnson on another fantastic victory. And we wish him the best heading into the... Uh, the big majors and the rest of the of the uh, big championships heading into the rest of the season. So um, now, Justin, I, I kind of want to move it over to a small segment that I want to do in, in each of our, our podcasts for the rest of the year. And that is the new rule situations that, that have popped up um, that have affected play. And maybe it's because of a new rule. Maybe it's because of an old rule. Uh, but I have two quick situations. Um, and we'll just make it a, a short short quick segment here for the uh, the viewers to get some more knowledge about the rules and, and how how um, what mistakes players are making and also uh, how rules officials are interpreting them. Um, I'll start out with Ricky Fowler, and I'll get your thoughts on this, Justin. Ricky took a drop um, after shanking a ball out of bounds <laughs> in the middle of the fairway. He took that drop from shoulder height, ended up playing the ball because no one reminded him to drop it from knee height. That turned out to be a one-shot penalty. What are your thoughts? Man, well, shanking it from the fairway, first of all, that's pretty – I'd rattle them a little bit. Um, <laughs> and so I'm sure that probably had some impact on him not dropping the ball properly because he was probably thinking, what, the hell? I just shanked it out of bounds from the middle of the fairway <laughs> with all these people just saw it. So. <laughs> um, but – but yeah, he. I don't think it should matter. I think it should just be above, like knee height or above, is how you should drop it because it it doesn't make it any easier the higher you drop it from. So why be penalized for that? It doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, he definitely just had a little a little brain brain skip <laughs> uh, on that because I'm sure exactly. I'm sure he knew, but he just um, he just he just forgot after shanking it out of bounds and was shook from that. And nobody reminded him and then went on and played it and had another catastrophe like he did at uh, um, Waste Management with some with some rules. Right. I mean, Justin, I've heard a lot of people say that they should extend the, the drop area from the knee to the shoulder. What, what would your thoughts be on something like that? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I feel like that should be made. That rule should be adjusted. And I feel like it will be eventually. I would hope so because yeah. it sure does look awkward dropping from the knee. Yeah. The final rule situation that I would like to touch on here for our listeners is, is a, a situation that Justin and I actually saw um, on, I believe, Friday evening of the WGC. The WGC had just concluded, and we were playing some of my basement golf course and uh, watching Golf Channel. And it was between uh, several LPGA Tour players in the same pairing. Um, in the, the LPGA tournament of the uh, of this past weekend. And the whole issue is called backstopping. For those listeners, which I'm assuming is going to be the majority of people, do not understand what backstopping is. It's a very subtle event that happens in a golf tournament among groups that is hard. It is very hard to recognize for those who are not very um, adapt uh, um, to the game of golf. And uh, what backstopping is, is when a player has a ball that is setting up around the hole and they ask a fellow competitor who is about to pitch a ball up onto the green, maybe they're in a tough situation, maybe not, 
They ask him, would you like me to mark that ball? And then the other player will say, no, it's okay. You can just leave it. Or in some situations, even the player won't ask. They'll, be, they'll just be like, oh, I'll just leave my ball up there. And what that provides is a backstop, hence backstopping for the player who's pitching up from that tough situation to stop the ball on a situation where they probably wouldn't be able to stop the ball and it would go way past the green. Well, in this LPGA Tour event, one of the ladies hit the ball up onto the green after having another player leave her ball up there. The ball then hit the ball going full speed and it knocked it down to about a foot. And she made, I believe, a par on that hole. And it ultimately could have been a one to two shot difference. Um, And I believe my personal opinion is that it really affects the integrity of the game because it basically puts the whole field at a disadvantage. I mean, if you have like, for example, Justin, if you and I were out there, you know, doing that in the tournament, the rest of the field, heck, if they weren't playing with their buddy in the same group, they wouldn't have that, that advantage. And, and oh, by the way, it actually is against the rules in in the, in the uh, rule book um, to, to have someone aid um, by, by leaving their ball up there on the green purposefully um, to try to do that. So I just think it's a whole mess. What do you think, Justin? Yeah, it's definitely all about intent. And at the same time, the, the backstop target, it's not like you're putting the flag stick behind the hole. It's, it's about a one square inch target that the backstop is, is the golf ball. So I'm almost thinking <laughs> might as well hit the hole. If you're going to hit the ball instead, like if it's a harder <laughs> target to hit, might as well just hit it at the hole. That's um, a good point. It, it definitely does affect the game, especially that one scenario on the LPGA. Um, Cause it did look like there was some intent there on uh, both ways between both players. And they gave each other a fist bump after it was over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know about that. I just personally, I just ask them to mark their ball anyways. Um, smaller tournaments, it doesn't matter a ton, I guess, because it's just, it's it usually doesn't. Even if you leave the ball unmarked, you usually don't hit it um, most of the time, probably ninety five percent of the time. But it, there is some very small scenarios where that can make a huge difference in your score, like one to two shots, and. Um, and maybe even bank it in off the golf ball. I mean, my right. theory towards that is just hit the hole instead because that's about four times as wide. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and and definitely intent is the is the problem here. And I'd say if you chip it, just go mark the ball. If you have time, if you're having to rush, then, then hit up. And if it happens, it happens. Not a big deal. But uh, try to avoid it. Um, try definitely try to avoid it but you know don't don't blow it out of proportion and make make the round take six hours because because <laughs> you're making sure you mark your ball 50 yards out right <laughs> you know justin that that's actually a great point there you know the the situations where it actually comes up where the person actually ends up hitting the ball um are very rare um but the situations where people do ask if they want um, if ask the other player if they would like for them to leave their ball up on the green. Um, you see that all the time. And I think that is kind of the part that may kind of be borderline against the integrity of the game. But overall, two fascinating rules on uh, situations that have popped up over this past week that we've been happy to go over with you 
all listening to this podcast. And uh, next episode, we'll bring out a couple new rule situations because I'm sure a couple more will occur that are very controversial. And uh, it seems to happen every single week. Um, so that is that with that segment. Now we'll move on to the Honda Classic, the PGA Tour event of this week. Is down in Florida. We're starting the Florida swing leading up to the Masters at Augusta National in Augusta, Georgia. And this tournament, the Honda Classic, is being played at Jack Nicholas's course, the PJ National Golf Course in Florida. And it's home to the famous bear trap on the back nine, a series of very difficult holes, including several par threes with water. So, Justin. I'll read off the field like I traditionally do, and we'll see if you can get your third pick in a <laughs> row correct. All right, or, that'd be some uh, kind of record. Some, that's right. Also, some uh, you know, feel free to make some bull predictions, and I will make my pick as well, um, along with a couple bull predictions, and we'll see what happens. Okay. So, the stars in this field this week. Uh, you see several players taking uh, the week off after, uh, you know, a big-time championship last week with the World Golf Championship. But it's still a, a pretty um, pretty deep field. And here we go. Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, Brooks Kepka, Adam Scott, Sergio Garcia, Gary Woodland, Webb Simpson, Cameron Smith, Daniel Berger, uh, Emilio Grillo, uh, Luke List, Ben Young On, Russell Knox, Alex Noren, and Scott Piercy. I like Gary Woodland. Gary Woodland. I don't that know why. Pick, I don't know why, but I, I like him. Like Gary Woodland. That, you know, Justin, Gary Woodland, he's had a good year so far. The, the events that he's played, he has gotten himself into contention. Um, and I believe has had a, a few uh, few top ten finishes. So yeah, Gary Woodland is definitely there. a guy to big uh, hitter. To yeah, that big hitter, strong player, um, constantly in the gym, um, getting himself prepared and his, his body ready to perform out on the golf course. And and uh, I, I think that's a good pick. This golf course suits suits his game well. Um, it's a golf course that. Uh, in my opinion, suits a very solid iron player, and uh, that's one of uh, Gary Woodland's strengths. Uh, so my pick, Justin, will go. I'm gonna go with. Um, you know, this is tough. There, there are a lot of players um, on this list that that could find their their way up into up into contention and have a chance to win. I'm gonna go with Justin Thomas, and the reason I say Justin Thomas is because I like to go with players who finish the tournament the week before off strong and justin thomas did just that yeah, nine under he, nine under in the final round he almost had 50 a 59 watch um coming down the stretch there he had a couple shots he almost hold out from the fairway a chip for eagle on a par five that hit the pin um it was a great performance of golf and i i truly believe he will carry that over um down into florida at pj national uh, JT currently resides in Florida, plays a lot of golf down there. He's used to that type of golf, the Bermuda grass down there. And I think he's going to just have a fantastic week. Yeah, uh, I, I was tempted to pick him too. I actually like internally said that I bet he'll finish top five and have a really good showing. 
But uh, I just don't know why I picked Gary Woodland. I just kind of told me to pick Gary Woodland, and I also believe JT is going to have a very, very strong week. Might win it, but but I'm going with Gary still. But JT is going to play very well regardless. All right, two solid picks, and we will see what happens down at the Honda Classic. Just make sure everyone is listening to this podcast. Make sure you tune in and listen and, and, and also watch what occurs um, in the bear trap because Justin, I think this tournament, I know I've been saying it the last couple of weeks, we've gone basically the whole 29. I think we've had a playoff so far in the 2019 season. Nope. I want to see a playoff this week. Hopefully between Gary and JT. That's right. That'd make it even more exciting. So overall, <laughs> best of luck to everybody in the Honda classic and we will see what happens down there at PGA national. Justin, we'll conclude this uh, sixth episode of our uh, golf podcast here, traditionally with the golf course of the week, uh, traditionally a international golf course to spread everyone's um, awareness of golf courses around the world. And that golf course, Royal Liverpool has hosted the Open Championship Several times in history, it's been a very historical golf course. It's in Liverpool, um, very close to Liverpool, England. And it has been announced today that it will host the 2022 Open Championship. It will go back to Royal Liverpool. So that will be a very exciting event. Um, And I know, Justin, that, that you always enjoy watching the Open as well. Yeah, that'll be a blast to watch. And hopefully, uh, by that time, we'll be decently close to, to playing in it. <laughs> exactly. Who knows? Maybe we'll try to qualify for that one. Yeah, so. I'll, I'll definitely try to qualify. I mean, I don't know if I will, but but I'll, I'll be definitely trying to qualify. I'm sure you will be also. 2020 Open. What, you, what, oh, what you a, said 2020 or 2022? 20, 2022. Thanks for correcting okay. me there. I, I was trying to make it even tough, earlier. But yeah, 2020 would <laughs> be a little... A little bit of a stretch, but 2022 is a little bit of time. 2022 open. That'll be a very exciting one there in the world of Liverpool. And uh, hopefully one where uh, where it's a, a close final round coming down the stretch there on a fantastic back nine on that golf course. Um, and one of the better finishing holes in the, uh, in the open roto with the fantastic, beautiful clubhouse in the background. Um, so that is our golf course of the week. And now the last part of our podcast, we'll get to the quote of the week. And in this case, we have two quotes of the week. Uh, it's a very, very special week. The first quote is from Eric Anders Lang. And it, a perf- it applies perfectly to what happened to Tiger Woods on the first hole at the WGC Mexico played at Chapultepec. And this quote by Eric Lang who also has a podcast, a very famous podcast called the Eric Anders Lang Show, as well as uh, he, he works for Scratch TV and does adventures in golf. I actually had the opportunity to meet him um, along with several other friends, Cam, Keenan, and Nathan, when we were on a golf trip in, at Pinehurst. Um, and it was absolutely fantastic to get to speak with him for a little bit. Very fascinating guy, almost maybe one of the most popular people in the game of golf, trying to grow the game um, and make it basically um, relatable to to everyone, even those who don't play. 
And his quote is, and I saw this from his last video when he played in the Genesis Open practice round with Cameron Smith, he lost his ball on the very first hole. Very first key shot, he lost his ball. And he said, quote, a lost ball is honestly everything that I'm looking for. <laughs> Justin, what, what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, um, if that's truly everything he's looking for, that would probably explain why he lost his ball on the first hole. Um, <laughs> I, you know, uh, Justin, I think this is something we need to try just for fun, uh, you know, playing a practice round at a chestnut. Lose a ball on the first hole and see if that helps. <laughs> yeah, just like, I don't know about maybe intentionally losing the ball, just, tr- you know, mentally wanting to lose the ball. Right. <laughs> just like do a regular swing, but mentally be trying to get a lost ball out there and, and see what else happens in the round and see if uh, if Eric's uh, theory uh, proves proves correct. See if you know, it it's definitely a good quote to keep in the back of your mind. In case it does happen in a tournament, you can just kind of laugh and be like, huh, you know, Eric Klein yeah, said, you know, that's everything that, that he's looking for. So that's everything that I'm looking for. You know, that could be a little mental tool that people could use to, to be completely honest. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe that would kind of relax them a little bit after uh, getting off to such a bad start and maybe kind of uh, redirect the round a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, you look at Tiger uh, hitting it OB on the first tee shot and come back and play solid. Um, you just got to see – See how the pros hit it out and, and regroup from it. And then Eric Lichen hitting it out and uh, <laughs> bouncing back from it. So lost ball is not the worst, but it definitely does hurt a little bit. And now the final quote, our second quote of the week is from Bobby Jones. I'm reading the Bobby Jones biography. It's called... Let me get it over here. I have to get the title. I believe the title has fairways in it, but let me see. It's called Down the Fairway by Bobby Jones. Fantastic book. Goes through his career up to age 25 because he actually wrote this biography at 25. Wow. And um, he says, quote, the secret of golf is turning three shots into two. And I know, Justin, you had a, a fantastic response to me when I sent you this text earlier this week. Yeah, um, I, I like that quote from Bobby Jones, definitely. But you, you see, that's that's decades ago. That's how it used to be, turn three shots into two. Nowadays, and, and coming up here in the future, um, I have a variation of this quote that you can, you can put my name on, and it is, the secret of golf is to turn three shots into one. Great quote. <laughs> so remember, remember, folks, that is uh... – the secret of golf is turning three shots into one. Justin Morgan. That's that's the quote of the week. Yeah, a little bit of plagiarism there from Bobby, but uh, but um, I'm sure I'm sure he'd be proud of my my quote there. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So overall, Justin, fantastic podcast. We covered a lot of material from the World Golf Championship down in Mexico to some new rule situations, and all the way down to the Honda Classic. Um, that is going to happen this week, Thursday to Sunday. So hopefully everyone tunes in and listens and watches the Honda Classic and uh, really watching everyone in the field compete for a, a, a great championship down at PGA National. So thanks again, everybody, for tuning in and listening to our podcast. We appreciate all of our loyal listeners out there and feel free to always text Justin or I and submit some questions and also share this podcast with family and friends 
And I know, Justin, you are just as excited as I am to get back outside and start playing here soon uh, when the weather improves, hopefully by March 15th or so, and uh, we can get out there and start creating some more interesting podcasts with our own personal stories involved, um, which will make it even more fascinating. So thanks a lot for tuning in, everyone, and have a fantastic weekend and enjoy the Honda Classic. Thank you, everybody.